Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive through a well-designed home. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to live your best life through decorating with intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, empowered, and motivated into educational enlightenment. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Design 101. I'm your host Amanda and today's guest is Amy Ray, the editor of Mod City Mag. I am so excited to have her on the show today. Mod City Mag is an online lifestyle publication for the modern woman and she also practices PR as a profession. With degrees in both journalism and PR under her belt, many consider her a double threat. Not only does she know public relations and public relations strategies, but she knows how to communicate your message in a unique and fun way. I am excited to have Amy on the show today. We met via Twitter about a year and a half ago, maybe longer than that. And when she came to Nashville back in December, her and I just hit it off. We have very similar personalities and fast wit, and we became fast friends. I'm excited to introduce you to her today and get a little bit more information about her business and how she is changing the world one woman at a time. Hello, hello, everyone. I am so excited to have Amy Ray from Mod City Mag on the show today. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Uh, You and I have known each other. I was trying to think about this uh, when I was doing the intro to the show. I think we met maybe a year, year and a half ago on Twitter. Yes. Um, Yeah, I couldn't remember, but uh, Amy and I like hit it off immediately. We have the same sense of humor, same fast wit. We both think um, the same stupid things are hilarious. So I'm excited to have you on the show today. I'm excited to be here. So give us a little bit of background about who you are uh, and how you came to uh, your company, Mod City Mag. How did you get to that point? Okay, well, I'm just a Midwest girl who I guess has big city dreams, basically. But I went to school for my first degree is communication arts. It's an associate's degree. Then my second degree is journalism, and it's a bachelor's, and I have a minor in PR. So when I was graduating the second time, I was searching for jobs and there just no one was hiring and it was really discouraging. And so I was working for a online publication at the time and I basically gave her like an ultimatum like either pay me or I you know need to go elsewhere just because writing for free does not pay the bills unfortunately. And so I was just sitting in my pool one day, and I'm like, I could do this. And so I decided to do it because I wanted to do my own online publication one day. That's why I was interning at Cincy Chic, where I was. And I just didn't know it was going to be so soon. So in July of 2011, I was just laying in my pool sunbathing. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And then I actually debuted the first issue in September of the same year. So... Awesome. Um, I think what's interesting is that while social media and the internet have so many great features to it and so many benefits to it to so many of us, one thing that I have noticed is that, especially with writers, is that 
content has now been deemed free. I see this a lot where people ask writers to do stuff simply for exposure. Have you had this experience? Yes. Yes. Why do you think it's come to the fact that, um, one, people can't always do what a writer can do, but two, that they just assume that for the sake of content that they're going to be willing to do it for free? Yes. I think because of blogging, because anyone could be a blogger and they have citizen journalists now, which... As a journalist, I have an issue with on its own, but I feel like people don't really value writing a whole lot. And I get people that come to me as small businesses that want to just, they want exposure. And then I also get other magazines and stuff that come to me and they want me to bring my reader base to what they're doing for exposure. And, you know, writing's just, I don't know, it's difficult. It's difficult to do and it's difficult to get paid for it. Yeah, I put an article up on Twitter about six months ago about uh, journalists and, and students who are, you know, graduating with journalism degrees and large companies coming out and saying, you know, for the exposure, we will give you con or, you know, allow you to share your content. And I can see somebody maybe young, right? but I think that for somebody who is seasoned, that's really a slap in the face. It really is. It really, really is. And I was offered that because a lot of them, they're not hiring, but they're accepting interns. And a lot of places where I applied, they wanted me to come on as an intern. And I'm like, well, how am I going to pay my bills? I just came out of college. I have student loans that, you know, in six months kick in. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I would think that, that would be so challenging. So you decide to launch Mod City Mag. Tell us a little bit about what it is. And, I mean, it's it's really grown such a great voice like I love all of the the features that you have on there and the things that you offer women tell us how you came about really putting together the format and what you wanted to offer people well when I started um even at the internship I was it was a women's um publication I was working for and I had worked for a couple online women publications and I just sort of gravitate towards that I'm really big into lifting others up and empowering other women just because We've come a long way, women have, in our rights and stuff like that, but I still feel like we're still so insecure as a whole that we just need to, like, and we're so catty, too. Like, we want each other to succeed, but we don't want them to be more successful than us, and it's just a bunch of bullcrap, and so (laughs) it really is. Why can't we all just succeed? But um, I really wanted a place where different backgrounds of women could come together in one place where they could, whether they're coming because, you know, they love to eat healthy and they're vegan, they'll, that'll attract to the healthy living section of it. But I'd also like them to bounce around. And that's what I've really found is it's a bunch of women from different backgrounds all coming together and they're all relating to all the other different women. And you really don't, see that a whole lot anywhere else and I wasn't finding that anywhere else on the internet because there's lots of different online publications I mean they're a dime a dozen now especially since we've been at this for almost three years now Uh, like Tori Spelling has one Lauren Conrad has one I mean anybody can start one but they weren't all Gwyneth Paltrow has one too doesn't she yeah goop (laughs) but I mean they're they're like a niche and I wanted something that was all-encompassing of many different topics all into one place. So what was your main focus when you started? What did you want to achieve with 
um, the information you were putting out and kind of the format that you put together versus what it has become three years later? It's basically, it's just grown in the idea of why I want it. Like I said, I wanted something for everyone to come together. When I started, I had four writers, including me, and they were all throughout the country. It was people I knew, and uh, I presented the idea, and I knew they could write. And they knew a lot about what different areas, like whether it was music or parenting or what. And so I wanted already, you know, at the beginning when I first launched, I already had the idea of I wanted it multiple multiple city. I didn't just want it located and just local. I wanted it all over. And so I started it off all over. Now it's grown even 10 times that I have about eight writers now all over the country. We're read all over the world. It's really just astounding at how far it's grown in almost three years. What are some of the favorite things that you have on the blog that you feature to women that um, just really hits the nail on the head as far as your vision. What are some of your favorite features of the blog? I love the Strong Women series. And yeah. I am just shocked it took me so long to start it. <laughs> <laughs> but I only wanted to do it like at, it was going to be on the editorial calendar. It was for one month. And I believe it was December of last year. And then I... I just love doing it, and then the readers really responded to it, and I'm like, you know, this is going to be an ongoing series. So I really love that. That really hits on it because it's all about just being a strong woman, how you're a strong woman, how you help your community, help other women, and just also showcases each woman of why they're individuals, but they're all the same at the same time. Well, and I think that's a valid point when you were talking about earlier about how we're, women can be categorized as being very catty and, and wanting success for the other person but not wanting more success for the other person. I think it's important to point out that we all want different things. Right. So we may want success, but the success that I want is probably different than the success that you want. Absolutely. So why not empower and motivate and inspire one another um, to really help. Uh, Oprah said one of the greatest things a couple of years ago about friendship, and she was, you know, talking in regards to Gail. She said there are a few people that will not only climb the mountain with you, but get to the top with you and be happy for your success. Right. Absolutely. And it's so true. It really is extremely true because I also had to come to the point where like my mom raised me and my sister to be very ambitious, very strong and independent. And so I already had the mindset of I want to accomplish big things. And then I was noticing because I come from a small town right outside of Cincinnati that just because I want big things doesn't mean everyone's dream is to have big things because some people would want to you know, just a regular normal life, you know, in the suburbs. And that's their dream. And I had to really come to terms with not everyone wants a huge dream of being, you know, very successful, owning a business. Some people are just satisfied in being, you know, a mom. And that's great. Yeah. And I, I think that that is great. I mean, we to each their own. Yes. Um, and if that is your, like my best friend from high school, that was her dream. Is she? I remember when we were in high school, that's all she talked about was getting married and having kids. And her dream was to be a mom. Yep. That's so there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we all want our, our own individualistic things. And so I think it's really great 
to be able to support one another in what it is that our vision is, whatever it is that we feel we want in life. Absolutely. Does Mod City Mag have an age group or is it open to all walks of life? It has a lot of the readers are late 20s um, to 40 years old. It's pretty much the young professional, but we also have, um, too, we also have a lot of guy readers, which I find interesting. Well, how great for them to be able to get information, like an inside look as today's modern woman. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, I remember my brother, I have a stepbrother, and years ago, he would always read my Vogue and my Cosmo, and I would be like, why are you reading that? And he goes, this is the best shit ever. This is like a, you know, beeline to all, I'm getting past all of the information that I don't know, and I'm getting straight to the point. I'm getting like a bird's eye view of women. Yes. (laughs) And what they want. Absolutely. So it's probably a very similar thing. I hope so. I hope that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, and well, and I really loved, um, you did a Strong Woman series on me, and I really loved the opportunity to be able to answer, um, you know, that's my cat in the background, y'all, if you hear her. Um, (laughs) But I really loved the opportunity to really be able to voice my opinion on Um, just marriage and, you know, talking about, you know, everybody feels like success is like this straight line and it's not. You really come around to your lessons and um, who you are as a person through your experiences. And so I was really surprised. I got so much feedback from the one that I did uh, with moms, especially saying that they were showing the, the strong women series to their daughters. And I thought that that was really heartwarming. I love that. Yeah, I had a lot of my own clients that were like, oh my God, I am saving this for my daughter because I want her to see, you know, that it's okay, you know, not to marry right away and it's okay to want to have success and it's okay to to strive for uh, a work-life balance and, you know, to go after what you really want. Yes, absolutely. That's how my mom raised me and my sister to be. And so I feel like she really instilled in me that desire to reach other women because we still have that you know the man is the head of the household kind of mentality it doesn't have to be like that you don't need a man to be happy or successful yeah I just got finished reading uh lean in and um I really avoided it like the plague as soon as it hit uh mainstream last year it was like when the the movie Titanic came out it was like it was so big and it was so huge and everybody was talking about it and I was like I'm not interested right I don't want to hear about some woman who is a, a big head at Facebook scream and yell at me about how I should be this that and the other thing so I had really preconceived notions about what the book was going to be about and I finally read it and it was the exact opposite it was really talking about how women are truly raised differently subconsciously, how we are the not lesser species, but in so many words. I mean, she had a great example of like a onesie from J.C. Penney's just a couple of years ago. Uh, for girls, the onesie was pretty like mommy. Yep. And the, the boy onesie was smart like daddy. Oh, my God. And this is just this is an advertising campaign from like two years ago. 20, oh, God. I think it was 2011 or 2012. And there's a lot of little examples throughout the book where we are subconsciously told that we're less than men. Right. And we are hired based on our accomplishments. 
where men are hired based on potential. Yes. So it was all of these little examples. And something that I found really, really interesting about the book was that she was talking about how women will not apply for a job unless they feel like they are 150% prepared, knowledgeable, and educated enough to do the position because they fear that um, they won't be able to provide, you know, the greatest uh, experience and education and performance. Right. Whereas a man will apply for a job and only have 30% potential of knowing what it is he's about to step into, but he will sell that he's 100% qualified. Right. So I found it interesting. The book was the exact opposite of what I expected it to be, but it was really interesting how conditioned we really are by our society to not lean in and not what she calls sit at the table. Right. So how do you feel about that? I mean, being uh, what I would call a quote unquote feminist. (laughs) Yes. One of the things that I do love about Mod City Mag is that it does offer fun things like fashion. Right. And um, beauty tips and things like that. But it does have in its journalism a air to strengthen women and our power that we have. Yeah, absolutely. See, I think my mom was before her time, too, because she was, like I said, she raised us to believe that we could be independent, successful, we could do whatever we wanted to. So I grew up believing, well, why can't I do anything like a man can? I'm, I guarantee I can do it, and I'll probably do it better. I mean, I think that um, we have often been stereotyped as um, too emotional or too caring or we're nurturers and, you know, we, we can't be CEOs of companies because of obligations that we have as a mother or whatever the it thing is that they want to um, put the stigma on us as. But I think that a lot of the qualities that have been looked on as negatives actually make us better leaders. Yes. I think it's a great uh, example and I'm really gra- glad that she wrote the book and just put the information out there just to make us aware. Um, one of the things that she said is that when she went to college, I think she went to college in 1990, she said that by the time that she graduated and got her first job, she really felt that there was going to be a huge woman's movement and there would be a big change. And here it is 20 years later, and she says, we're exactly where we were when I went to college. Wait, I feel like we're on the verge of a big change Maybe I'm like her and feel like we're going to have one and we won't, but I do feel like there's a big movement headed that way with women becoming CEOs and stuff because we can't, we've already proved we can do it and can be successful at it and be long term and have kids and still run a home. Yeah. Well, and it's a matter of, um, and she has a chapter on this about having a true partner, like somebody who will truly step up to the plate and help you so that you can be successful. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I'm running into. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the uh, excerpt on love life. Yes. (laughs) Now, um, do you have a section on uh, Mod City Mag about uh, love life and, and uh, relationships? We do. We have a dating section. We don't have an actual dating writer at the time right now, but we do. I write some of the dating stuff. Um, I wrote on my personal blog, Fabulously Disheveled, a just a funny, I was fed up with guys and dating. And 
it's just a funny little, you know, if the last book you read was good night moon, get to step in kind of thing. And I got contacted by this place in Europe that's a leading dating site and they wanted me to be a dating expert on there. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yes. So I do write about dating um, quite a bit and some of our other writers about, um, we have one lifestyle writer, Nicole, she writes a lot about being self-aware and self-worth and self-love. So that I feel really comes first before you can even have a relationship first. Oh, absolutely. So, and I think a lot of people do that backwards, and that's why things don't work out. Well, and that was me. I mean, that was one of the things that I covered in the Strong Woman series is that I married so young, and my husband was so much older than me that I really took on his values and his vision. Even though I had one when he met me, they were very easily diluted because I was so young. Right. So you have to be able to know yourself and love yourself and really be strong in your stance of who you are before you do step into somebody else's vision and their values because it, you know, for me, it easily became my own vision, which was his. Right. So let's step into uh, you offer PR. You said you minored in that in college. Um, What is, you know, I can definitely see a big difference with just the fast-paced world that we're living in what PR was 10 years ago versus what it is today so what is PR like today for somebody who and what is PR I don't think a lot of people even really truly understand what PR is PR is um, like publicity marketing um, and PR kind of overlap more so now but marketing is you know putting money into it and getting results. Publicity is putting stuff out there, not necessarily getting results, but it's more of building a presence. So letting people just that like subliminal messaging of you see the store a hundred times. And then when you, I always use the example of gutters. I have no need for gutters, but I see the gutter company constantly. And when I do need gutters, I'm going to think of them. Exactly. Exactly. Like that's publicity and marketing is more of like putting an ad out. So it's more conscious getting stuff out there and being in people's faces. And publicity is more of like planting a seed. And how has publicity really changed just I would say even within the last five years of how quickly social media has just taken off it has changed a lot and I feel like years ago it was easier for PR professionals to do their job just because it was traditional it was you know they had their practices it was by the book and now it's kind of like Trier and wild animal. Yeah, it's guerrilla marketing and it's trial and error, see what works, especially with social media because social media changes constantly that you mm-hmm. constantly have to, you know, make your whole campaign evolve and cuz something that might work, you know, 6 months ago is not going to work anymore. Like Facebook is really I don't even like using Facebook that much for my businesses and to publish things because I have one because when people search it's going to pop up but it's more of it's kind of dying down because it's making Facebook's making it so hard to get your message out for companies yeah I know they're constantly changing the rhythm of how they do things it's really annoying yes (laughs) very annoying I, I like a year ago I would be my page would be seen 
by like 5,000 people. And I think it's dropped now to where I average like 1,200 now. And it's like, it's discouraging because it's like you have to work twice as hard to get your message out. Right. And so that's why I, I like Twitter and Instagram and even Pinterest a lot more. Before, like two years, even just six months ago, most of my traffic to my website was from Facebook and Twitter. Now it's mostly from Pinterest, which I find awesome because I love Pinterest, but I also find it unique that people are, because it's very visual. People aren't usually going on there to find content and articles, but that's where we're coming from. Right. So what would you say then, which you mentioned your top three social media places then are what? Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Yeah, I find that, well, for me, because I'm from a visual industry, I find that Pinterest is um, excellent for my industry. And I'm. it's interesting. I got on Pinterest in 2009, and nobody had heard of it. Nobody knew what it was. And the only way that I found out about it is I had gone to a very small boutique blogging conference in Atlanta. There was only maybe 300 of us went, maybe. And one of the gals there, um, her blog name is Design Blog. And she had mentioned this uh, new platform. She talked about Evernote and she talked about Pinterest. And she said, I really prefer Evernote, but keep an eye on this Pinterest. And I remember thinking, oh my God, what the hell is this Evernote? What is this Pinterest? She had also talked about Squarespace. I'm like... I'm so out of the loop here. And so I go to this Pinterest thing. I sign up for an account and I'm like, eh, whatever. It's going to be one of those things that, you know, becomes a graveyard and I never go to. Right. Now, fast forward, you know, four or five years now, I can't believe what it's become. Oh, I know. It's amazing. And it's completely transformed my business. Right. Absolutely. And I just watched a really great uh, Pinterest webinar the other day on how to maximize your business through Pinterest. And I think that Facebook really needs to pay attention. Absolutely. Because I think that it's 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 going to become the, the next big, th- if it hasn't already, I think it, that's where a lot of people are going to be going. Absolutely. It's huge right now in business. And if Facebook doesn't get up on their game with pages, because they're wanting people to pay for advertising yeah. and stuff like that, that – you know, it's going to turn into something like MySpace did. Now, MySpace is still around, but it's mainly for, you know, bands. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, David and I were just talking about MySpace the other day. I never got on that bandwagon. I never understood it. I thought it was for teenagers. And we were talking about how, like, how big and huge it was and then how, like, overnight it became, like, the dumbest thing ever. Yes, Yes. Like it went from very cool to very not cool. Absolutely. So I agree. I think Facebook needs to keep their eye open and and eye on the game because Pinterest is very quickly becoming the new place. And I think it's something like 80% or 85% of households, um, their purchasing habits are done by women. Mm -hmm. So Pinterest is probably 85% women. Exactly. So, and I, this webinar that I watched really had some really great tips on how to maximize Pinterest for your business page. I think from a PR standpoint, especially from a, because it is so visual, I think Pinterest would be great for a business. 
Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, when things catch on fire on Pinterest, I mean, you can get so many different hits and you're getting so many different people, you know, being exposed to what your product is. And I mean, it could really, you know, set off a business. And I think too, the reason why Pinterest and Instagram are really taking off is I think we are so inundated with words and just data that Pinterest and Instagram are great. It, it, it's like my old adage of, I loved when I lived in California to go to Denny's because I didn't have to read. I could just point at the picture. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll take this. Like, that's the kind of menu I wanted to read. The one that had pictures. Exactly. So you can instantly get the message and understand what the person's trying to say. And it's a pretty picture, which we all resonate with. Right. And I usually use, if I'm looking for something, I'll search Pinterest first before I do Google now. That's funny. I do the same thing. So what are some ways then that a business can use Instagram? What are, I, it started out as a highly social, um, kind of like Twitter did actually, but what are some great tips that you can give on how to maximize your business with Instagram? Well, it's a, a lot of people like using it, like especially in the fashion industry for behind the scenes photos that you're not actually going to get other places. It's more personal than like, you know, putting a professional photo out there with an ad on it or whatever. You're going to get like, you see the ad in a magazine, you can get the behind the scenes months ago when it was actually being shot in real time. So you can kind of, you know, look forward to different things and also showcase different items. Um, one of my clients is Statement Apparel, and they're really getting on their, they just launched, and so they're building up their presence. But they'll showcase different items and how to wear the different items, because a lot of times you like something, but you don't know how to style it. So it gives you options that way. So they could probably, together, Instagram and Pinterest together, could probably be a great platform for a brand. Absolutely. So how important... Um, kind of a silly question, but for the listeners who, you know, I know, especially in the design world, so many designers are, they might have a blog, maybe, but I would say 60% don't even have a blog. Few of them, to none of them, have Twitter, but they do have Facebook. They, some of them have Instagram, but I try to tell people all the time how important it is to have a social aspect because it does move so quickly. Yes. So from a PR perspective, how important is it for a brand to have or be incorporated in with social media? It's extremely important just because if you're a business to consumer, I mean, that's hugely important because you're talking directly to your consumer and there's no middleman in between there but plus it's free exactly exactly now if you don't have an idea about social media you definitely need to hire someone that knows about it or and read up on it yourself and really you know learn the ins and outs because social media for personal use and social media for business is two different ball games that do not need to ever overlap Unless it's that's part of your branding. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that social media really does, like you said with the Instagram, it really puts a personal touch to a brand. Yes. You're put and allows you to touch a brand in a way that you never could before. Exactly. And with social media, people are putting like 
personalities to a brand. That's your persona. And they can it's more relatable that way. And they feel like it's a person instead of a company. And that's what people like because it makes them feel special, especially when you interact with them. Yeah. I, uh, one of the things that I loved, David is, is way more advanced in social media than I am. But one of the things that makes him absolutely giddy is he'll watch a show on TV like Scandal. And he'll reach out to one of the writers on Twitter. And they get back to him. Oh, and, it totally makes me giddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they had a um there was a simpsons episode about a year ago um that talked about um the tv station that he works at and so he reached out to the writer and just said something kind of quirky funny and both of the writers for the show got back to him and he's like my 14 year old self is like you know just skipping down the street right now like i'm so excited yes and you couldn't get that kind of access before 2005 no not at all and i even even though i know it's part of the pr strategy and all that it's just it still makes me giddy uh yeah well and it's it's really great to be able to get that personal touch um to a brand and i think it made him like you know who doesn't like the simpsons they've been around for eternity but it made him like it so much more because here you have a successful show with very successful writers. And I think 20 years ago, we would have put them up on a platform like, oh, well, you know, they're this, that, and the other thing. And you get kind of these preconceived notions about who and what they are. And then fast forward 20 years, and you reach out to them on Twitter, and they get back to you, and they're just normal people just like you. Right. Absolutely. And it totally because people don't remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. And yeah. so that goes with brands, too, because if you reach out to them, they're going to be like, oh, my God, <laughs> they, you totally made their day. Yeah. And then you talk about it. Yeah. And that's one thing that we're starting to see. Um, I, I'm in a, um, a private LinkedIn group with a bunch of designers. There's over 3,000 of us in there. And we've started to see a huge decline in customer service with a lot of the brands that we work with. And so designers are really starting to get upset that they're not being taken care of like they used to. And so I, you know, went in there yesterday and I I was like, you know, one of the fastest way to get customer service is to reach out to them through their social media outlets because it's instantaneous. Right. And, you know, they don't want their brand to look bad and they want you to have a good experience. And so all the, many of the designers were like, you know, well, gosh, we didn't think of that. And this would be a great way to, for us to band together and boycott a brand if they're not going to take care of us. Absolutely. And how quickly is that movement going to turn that customer service around? Exactly, because it's crisis management. And when people take to Twitter, they expect an answer from the customer service for whatever company to answer them within 24 hours. Yeah, well, and like David takes to Twitter, um, like every time he has a flight with American Airlines, I swear that company, their flights are always late and he's always having issues and he immediately hits to Twitter and they are on it within two minutes. Yeah, because they don't want it to blow up into something and make them look bad. Right. And that's what's really shocking to me is is in our industry, a lot of the products and uh, furnishings and stuff used to be what's called to the trade. And so... 
they weren't accessible to the public. You had to go through a designer. So it made our industry a lot more exclusive. Right. And so now we don't have that. And so I think that it has allowed manufacturers to feel like they can get away with a lot more. And so they've been misbehaving and not treating the designers well. But what they forget is that there's a lot of us and we are the ones that's driving that customer to their product. And we're driving a lot of it. Right. Like instead of that customer coming to you to say buy a bench, we drive that customer to them and they buy a bench and a bed and two nightstands and lamps and, you know, whatever, whatever. Right. So when they turn around, like this gal that was on there, she was like, you know, I, I bought this bench from this company and it was very, very expensive. It took seven months to get the darn thing in and it's damaged and the company won't repair it. And this is now the second time with this particular manufacturer that we've had a designer speak up and say that something's wrong. Right. And it's like, you guys, there's 3,000 of us in this network. Why are we not boycotting this brand? Why aren't we getting a voice about this? Right. We have the power. And I think that's fantastic because with social media, we didn't have this kind of power 20 years ago. No. We couldn't have, we could have bitched and complained and maybe told our local designers, but now we can tell our designers globally. Yes. And that I think is a, it's a catch 22. I mean, it it can happen to us as well, but you know, I think if you provide great customer service, it's not something that's going to be an issue. Exactly. When you're doing PR, what are some of the best tips that you can give for a small business owner? I definitely think um, I've worked with PR agencies in the past and I definitely think I always recommend working with a professional, but um, what are some of the benefits to a company hiring a PR firm? Well, you're letting someone do like social media. That's what they're an expert at. And you're letting them do what they're an expert at while you get to do what you're an expert at. So instead of trying to divide your time and try to focus on social media and designing and dealing with clients. And it just it's overwhelming because social media is a full time job. It is. <laughs> and so it's just, you don't want to half-ass it because you're not going to get results. And to build social media, it's kind of, it's building an online presence and a real-life presence that you really need to make your brand successful, but you also need to deliver the results of your product and services, too. So what are some of the benefits, then, for a business who's considering PR? Uh, time management, obviously, is one of them. Um, but what are some of the other benefits of, of just saying, you know what, I'm going to hand this off to somebody else? You're also having the experts do it. This is what we do. You know, this is, I mean, I love social media. That is my favorite outlet of doing PR, social media, that and blogging. And we know what we're doing. We're staying on top of our game because, like I said, it's constantly changing. And I grew up on social media, so I felt like I had a advantage, and plus I was poor, so that's why I did it myself. Well, and I think that's a very valid point is saying that you grew up in it. Right. Like, I was just saying to a friend the other day that when I had my studio, when I had my retail store, um, I closed it in... 2011 I think but when I started I had just barely gotten on Facebook I had just gotten on Twitter and I still at that point was not using Pinterest to its full you know potential and Instagram wasn't even really around right so we're only talking a couple of years that all of this has blown up exactly 
And so for somebody who is older, like uh, one of the designers here in town that I meet with, she's been in the business for 30 years. She's so overwhelmed and she's just like, I, I feel like I'm trying to tame a wild animal. Yes. Yes. So I can see where um, somebody who especially has been in business for over 20 years, how it can seem very overwhelming. Yeah. And especially when you're set in your ways too, and everything's just changing, you can be easily blindsided by it the overwhelm like I can easily spend two to three hours a day just between Twitter Pinterest Facebook Instagram and just trying to get the brand information out there and then blogging right I mean it can take a lot of time and so if you're completely new to it I could see how you would step into this and go I don't have the time for this absolutely and even if you you have to like really have a social media plan and a business plan Two of what you're going to accomplish on that day. And also having, you know, like Hootsuites or Buffer, that helps tremendously because you could sit down on, you know, a Saturday and punch out and schedule what is going to go when as it relates to your business and services. Like if you're having a deal or sharing different articles, but then throughout the week, you aren't a slave to your computer. Be like, oh, I have to share this. I have to share that since it goes out in a timely manner on its own. But you can also share and nurture during the week the real-time tweets and messages that really build the you know interaction and loyalty and relationship with the consumers. Because that's just What would you say are some of your um, favorite things to put out on social media? I love to put out... Every morning we have an inspirational quote or photo or something, and we get lots of feedback on that just because I feel like you need to just start the day with something positive Hmm. and so I love that and then I also love just you know the real-time tweets of like either frustration or something witty or just an observation or like look at what I'm doing kind of thing like on Instagram like I did one like maybe six months ago I found a dime on the sidewalk and I had read an article about a year ago about how it cost Bill Gates $200 to bend over and pick up a piece of change. Oh, my God. And so I tweeted the dime and I said, you know, this would have cost Bill Gates $200, but I just added 10 cents to my savings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it like totally went viral. Everybody loved it. Yes. Uh, the same thing happened. I, ha- I found a button on my chair. And I, it's a famous quote from Esther Hicks, but it's, she says, it's just as easy to attract a castle as it is a button. Yes. The same thing, you know, just it went viral. And it's funny that those little quirky things are what people love. Right. And they'll come back for that. But they're also, they'll start checking out your website and what you do because they've built that relationship. So they kind of feel like they know you. So, and when you know somebody, you want to support them. No like and trust. Right. And I think that's an important point nowadays. That's probably the biggest shift that I've seen because I've been in business for, God, 15 years now. But the biggest shift that I've seen is that when I first got into the business, somebody would hire me just simply on a recommendation. Hey, my neighbor used you. She loved you. I'd like to start this project. You know, here's $10,000. Let's get started. Right. Nowadays, somebody will follow me on Twitter, look at me on Facebook, read my blog, and they might invest a year's worth of time just to know, like, and trust me before they'll hire me. Absolutely. 
and that's uh, that's a huge movement that I've seen that's very common with consumers nowadays, especially since the shift in the economy. Yes, absolutely. That's how I gain most of my clients too. They see what I do, and I'm constantly, even if they're on my personal Facebook, I constantly mix business with pleasure on it, just because I want everyone to get it out. You know what I'm doing, and sharing it with everyone. I'm an open book, and I like to share things. Anyways, so they'll see that and they're like, okay, well, I need this. And Amy's always posting about this and she seems to be successful at what she does. So that's how they, you know, reach out to me. Well, and it makes it so much more personal. Yes. Really getting to know the person behind the brand. Yes, absolutely. Well, awesome, Amy. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I think we covered a lot. We did. Well, if people are interested in finding out more about you, or I don't know, maybe they like you, where can they find you? All over the place, but... Um... <laughs> She's a whore of social media. Yes, I've been around the social media block. <laughs> um, they can find me at on Twitter, at Amy Ray, or at The Mod City. On Instagram, I'm at Mod City Mag. You know, pretty much anywhere. Just search Amy Ray and I come up unless you find the model in the UK that has my name. But <laughs> What's your website address? Is modcitymag.com. Awesome. And they can find information also about your PR firm there as well, right? Yes, it's um, modprbyamy.com. Awesome. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Talk to you soon. All right. When it comes to being an entrepreneur, we all have challenges. No line to success is ever a straight one. Therefore, we all need to support, mentor, and have action in order to move us forward. Amy's online magazine not only provides women the encouragement and information they need to feel empowered, but it also provides an outlet to find the best beauty products, fashion tips, and lifestyle must-haves. It was once said by Thomas Edison, there are no rules here. We are simply trying to accomplish something. The Mod City Magazine is just that. Amy has a great agility to hold true to her vision, but is flexible when changes are necessary. She provides her readers what they want, and she always has a pulse on their needs to provide them what they need most. And when it comes to your own path, it's important to stop every once in a while just to ask yourself, are you living your vision, your dream, or someone else's? Even if it feels scary, don't be afraid to take that leap. Now more than ever, women are playing by their own roles, gaining a greater grasp of what their vision is to change the world in big ways. Literally, one article at a time, Amy hopes to empower, motivate, and inspire you to be your best self. How can you add to this recipe and help others around you to be their best too? I want to thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Amanda, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I have. If you would like more information on this show or have questions or comments, email me at info at You can also visit my website, gatesinteriordesign.com, or find me on Twitter at the Amanda Gates. Bye for now.